0: Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris from the Surf and Sales podcast. Um, we're going to do a couple of things new, and one of them is happening right now. This is actually a re-release of episode 15 with our good friend Kevin Dorsey. Uh, Scott and Kevin went very deep on the conversation about being the only. For KD, it's often being the only black person, African American, um, in sales often the only person on the team uh, with a different skin color going to a sales conference being the only one and he talks a lot about it in his whole progression and understanding and how he grew to understand how to become his real self and embrace who he is as a human so there's always going to be some important topics we talk about on our show, and we just want to make sure that we resurface these um, because they're too important to just sort of, you know, let go. And maybe if you haven't listened to it, you'll you'll be glad you did. Thanks so much, and we really really appreciate everyone's time. Uh, yeah. hey, every-
1: hey, everybody! Scott Lee's here with another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. My good buddy and partner. Richard Harris is gallivanting around the country right now. Maybe he'll be able to barge in during this uh, killer conversation we're about to have. Maybe not. We shall see. I am here with my good, good friend, Surf and Sales three alumnus and bitter, bitter sports rival, Kevin Dorsey. If you uh, are able to watch the video right now, you'll see me in my San Francisco Giants pad. And this dude is wearing his blue and white L.A. Dodgers hat. How's it going, Kevin? Good to see you again, bro. Hey, I'm
2: I'm, dude, I'm living, living my best life, man, doing everything I can, changing the world one cold call at a time, right? So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> tell
1: everybody where you're at, for anybody who doesn't, doesn't know. Tell, tell everybody where you live and, and where you're working right now and, uh, and what you're up to.
2: Yep. Yeah, so um Kevin Dorsey, I'm the VP of Inside Sales at Patient Pop. We're a medical um practice growth platform. And so it's headquartered in Santa Monica. I live in Marina Del Rey. Um born and born and mostly raised West Coast. I moved around a lot growing up. So I got like central ties in Wisconsin. Then I got my West Coast ties out here. And you know, I'm loving, loving life, man. Doing my best.
1: I got it. so that, I forgot that you uh you told me that you were kind of from wisconsin had roots back there um when we were in costa rica a couple months ago and i had forgotten so the first thing that pops in my head right now is like we talk about personas a lot right what's the difference between selling to somebody in wisconsin and selling to somebody in la how, how would you adjust your style if at all
2: genuineness so in
1: You're the trying mid- to say people in la are not genuine i never would have thought of that
2: Yeah, throwing that out there. Uh, So it's two ways, right? So in the Midwest, it is more often not, they are more upfront with what they are thinking or saying, whether it's good or bad. But you have to be careful that it's not the, like, passive-aggressive, like, oh, yeah, sure, no, this sounds great. And then they just never get back to you. So you got, like, ghosted more in the Midwest, but you knew where you stood more often. Selling West Coast like it's hit or miss all over the place, right? It's like people will say one thing and then do something else, like completely outside the realm. There's a lot more like trying to behave like San Francisco in LA. Like everyone tries to be San Fran on the West Coast, even though you're not San Fran. So there's a lot of like like imposter type syndrome or like, it's like your company's 10 people. What do you mean you're taking this procurement? Like calm down you got 10 people, yeah. people like, yeah. uh, a little bit different between Midwest and then out on the West.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, I think people should pay attention to that a lot more, you know, there's real, there's real geographical differences, you know, for, for sure. Absolutely. I can remember, I can remember taking advantage of some of this depending on, you know, somebody told me one time, like, I think it was after uh, maybe the Red Sox won the world series year, a few years ago. It's like, we're calling Boston. We're calling Massachusetts and New England area today. You know why? Because all these people are in a good mood today. Awesome. They're all going to pick up the phone, you know. Easy. Some cool Easy. geographical thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears uh, a little bit and, and go into some, you know, deep stuff because you're a deep guy and, you know, we need more transparency and more courage, um, you know, in the, in the, in the workforce. And in particular, in, in, in the sales world, you wrote this post uh, not too long ago, I don't think, um, that it's called, called I'm the Only, I think is what you, you called it. Um, and I hit home, you know, um, tell everybody what that, uh, what that post was about and, and you know, where you're going and, and give us some perspective. And then I'm going to follow up, you know, with some questions about it.
2: Yes. I mean, the, the post was about more often than not, I am the only in almost every leadership venue role ever. I'm the only black male, more often not just black individual in the leadership room, in the boardroom, on stage, at a conference lineup. Like I'm the only. This is something I grew up. Um, actually it was a really hard thing for me for a long time because when I moved from L.A. to the Midwest, I got moved to a very small town in Wisconsin where I was truly the only. I was the only black student in the entire school. I was one of three black students in the entire county, right? And so I dealt with a lot of racism and a lot of discrimination. And that stuck with me for a long time, was something that I carried as an insecurity for a long time, even once into the professional world. And so the, the post was about, you know, being that only, but then also calling out all the other onlys, right? That like, you might be the only, but there's people around that see you and that they also, like you inspire them to be like, hey, like I could get to that. So it's not just being the only black, right? You could be the only woman. You could be the only, you know, LGBT. You could be the, on, you could be the only white person in a room, right? But like that people look to that and it can inspire them, right? But to not hold it against yourself to be the only, because I shied away from a lot of opportunities. I pretended to be someone I wasn't for a long time, right? Like can you, this-
1: can, you can you give an example? So you say you you know you pretended to be somebody for a long time. Like give it give 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 me and the audience examples, right? Because this is a perspective that you know I don't have to I don't have to go through this, you know, as a as a white male American, you know, I am privileged in all the all the ways that that we are right and so so what does that mean when you say you had to you know act or behave a particular way what 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 did you have to do differently what do you so still have to do differently the,
2: the persona that people see now of KD is as close to me as I can be in a professional setting right i wear all black i wear my black hat i've got my gold chain i swear when i want to I carry myself with a lot of energy and like people call it whatever swag or confidence or whatever. Like that's who I am for a long time. I'm talking years, right? I dressed differently. I spoke differently. I participated in like things or hobbies that I didn't truly enjoy, but that's what people did. So I wanted to feel welcomed. I literally didn't swear for three years, like walking into a room, I literally have to take deep breaths going in because I, whether it's true or not, when you are the only one you walk in, people look at you and you can carry that weight, right? And so sometimes it was like putting on a persona of like that it didn't bother me when really like it drove me nuts, right? People would make jokes, right? Like, you know, they they make a a black joke, they make a, a, a racial joke, right? And it's like, you kind of either have to, laugh laugh, it off whatever like now i don't right like i'll snap on cats and so there's a lot of things like that where you try to fit in and you try to change who you are to be accepted by everyone else but then now you're no one you're not yourself and you're still never going to be accepted as one of them because you're not one of them you're not you know i don't know the the
1: statistics on this and I don't don't know if you do, but you know, I I wonder, do you feel an increased weight and pressure to succeed as somebody who is an African-American and a VP of sales in the tech world, in the startup world, because you know, there's not, there's not as many, right. Do you, do you feel a sense of like breaking, breaking down barriers in a way? I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but like, you know, Jackie Robinson broke down barriers, right? Talking to a Dodgers fan, right? Like, you know, if you you continue to grow in your career and excel time and time again, do you you feel a weight and responsibility? Like, I need to do well because there's another group of people out there, you know, coming up. There's other people who maybe are looking up to me. Do you feel that?
2: Absolutely. But what, so yes is the answer, but where I feel it more is, I guess, doing it, in what I believe is the right way, right? Where I not necessarily conformed or I didn't like, you know, a term that um, I grew up with often and you know, I'm sure some of the, the other minorities listeners could um, relate with is um, changing your stripes, right? My pops called it zebra mode, right? You had your black stripes, you had your white stripes and you knew when you had to flip them on and off. Right. Like you'd be one person with your boys and then another person. Right. When you walked into the meeting and then another person, you played that game. And what's important to me is, you know, I may never be a VP or CRO at a Fortune 100 like public company. I may not. I may not ever crack that ceiling but I'd rather continue to succeed the way that I am being as real as I can, showing people that they can be real. After every presentation I give at any conference, every single time there will be one or two black men or women that will come up afterwards and say, thank you for being real. Thank you for being authentic. Thank you for being you. I've had people come up and say like, are you always this way? Like, is this like, when do you turn it off? And I say I don't anymore. I used to. Yeah. I, don't, I don't turn this off anymore.
1: What, how did, what, what gave you the confidence or, or what, what changed? What was the tipping point where you're like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not trying to hide who I am. I'm not trying to fake it. I'm not trying to apologize. Like, What was, what was the tipping point? Where, where did you get that, that extra gear or, or that increased level of, of confidence?
2: It, it's when it didn't work. You know, like again, when it didn't work, I played the game. I played the game. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I did all the things, right? And I still had to deal with things. I still wasn't accepted. I still wasn't happy, right? Like I, I played the game, and it didn't work. So why play the game, and have it not work, and not be happy with who I am, versus be who I am? And because then it's all real, right? Like, then I know you're just not accepting me, and that's fine. Like, then I know it, right? There's no, there's no game anymore. Like, you just don't like me for who I am, and that's perfectly fine. So it wasn't working, right? I got replaced in roles. I got overshadowed. I got overlooked, and I was playing the game. And it, was, it got to a certain point. I was like, you know, screw this. Like, I'd rather be me. And what's funny is, like, my results got better when I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People can tell people like whether they'll admit it or not, whether it's biological or not, they can tell when you're not really being you and that causes immediate trust issues, no matter what, right. Is they, they don't trust you. I didn't get close with people. I didn't allow people to get close because I was afraid they'd know who I really was. Right. Yeah. So I stopped playing that, that game. And that was a big shift. It's not, and I'm by no means, am I saying that I'm over it, that I don't think about it. That is not still that I have to take that breath before a board meeting. I have to take that breath before walking on stage and going, okay, like here I am. You know, like for a long okay. time, I mess with me. It really did. You
1: know, you you, you just you just mentioned uh, you know walking on stage, and uh, a year ago or so, a little less than a year, maybe. You and I were supposed to go on stage together at uh, at, at Rainmaker in in Atlanta and unfortunately um I had some health issues and some 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 other things going on I wasn't able to to go to that but but you told a story about you know how you and I first kind of met and connected and and you know that got me thinking and we talked about this a little bit leading up to the podcast but you know how does one go about finding a mentor you know for me like I didn't I didn't have all these platforms and and Richard has now joined us and you know, he didn't, he didn't have these platforms either when we were, you know, 25, 30 years old. Right. Um, Where it was easy to connect with, with so so many people, but now all these things exist, but still people struggle to find a mentor or, or, you know, coach. What I get messages all the time. It's like, Hey Scott, I don't know if you do this, but you know, I'm looking for like a mentor and a sales coach or whatnot. What, what advice do you have? And feel free to tell the story if you want about, you know, how we've, we first connected. But teach, some of the, teach our audience, like, some, some ways to go about, you know, finding a good mentor and, and, and maybe talk about what it, what, it, what it means and what it's meant to you.
2: So I think there's a couple of things. One, most people, they know what to do. They're just afraid to just a, they're, they're afraid to ask for mentorship, right? The amount of people that do reach out. And what's funny, people reach out to me. I'm sure you get this too. It's like, how do you find a mentor? Yeah, so exactly. You, you reach out to them. You, right? A- you ask. Right, like you, you ask. Yeah, shoot your shot. Okay, what people forget though is, you know, in a way similar to sales, it is a numbers game, right? You and I had talked about this. I reached out to five VPs a week for over a year looking for mentorship.
1: Do that, do that, do that math people, 52 weeks, five people a week, right?
0: 200 something,
2: 250 something, something, right? For a year straight looking for mentorship. And like, we, we showed this on stage. It was like, I showed my second message actually to you, which was right, like I'm a first time VP. I'm sure you've made mistakes along the way. I'd love to learn, right? Like some of the things that you've done. Here's why I believe you could help me. You've done it before. You've done X, Y, Z, right? And what's funny is like, I reached out to a lot of people once. You were one of like a handful of people I reached out to twice because the persona that you put out was someone that I felt I could resonate with right? Because I felt you also kept things real, that you were authentic, right? There are a lot of people and I'll, whatever, we'll say this on camera. I don't give a fuck. There's a lot of personas out there that are very different. I know because I've spoken to them. There are people that I've reached out to that I'm like, Ooh, I want this person to mentor me. Ooh, they have been very successful. And then I get to talk to them and I go, wow, that was not, that wasn't right. That wasn't who they claimed to be or what they claimed to do. Right. Yeah. So some of You learn, but you reach out but you reach out to a lot. And then also you have to follow up and you have to follow through, right? If you were giving me advice and I never did it, would you stay my mentor? Uh,
1: that, 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 that is the death of mentorship, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you ask me for, for advice, for guidance, I give, you, I, I give you what I think is the right things and you don't do it, I'm wasting my time now, right? And yeah. what
2: a lot of mentees forget about a mentor is the mentor is not there to make you feel good. That's what your friends are for, right? If you have limited amount of time with me or I have limited amount of time with you, I don't need you to, to fluff me up and make me feel good about what I'm doing. We've got an hour. It is to, to rough me up a little bit. It is to say, no, like, no, like you don't know what you're doing. This isn't, right. Like, here's how you fix it. And most people, when they're looking for a mentorship, they're not ready for the feedback.
0: They're not right. ready for someone to say, no, that's wrong. What, what do you, Katie, what do you have to say to yourself to say, I'm ready for this feedback, right? Like, what's the advice? you? Because to your point, like, I think you're right. People love to he- ask for advice, but then they don't want to take it. So may- and maybe there's two pieces. What should the mentor say to someone who says, hey, I want you to be my mentor to let them know this is how it's going to go? And what frame of reference and mindset do you as an individual need to be at to be ready to do that?
2: really really good so on the mentor side I am very upfront anyone that asks me for mentorship I am very upfront from the get-go right to what Scott was saying is like I expect you to follow through on what we talk about and if you don't we don't continue it's not about talking about new things if you didn't do the thing we talked about last time this doesn't continue you don't make our scheduled calls this doesn't happen right like I don't charge for mentees right like I don't I'm not going to, I need to make my money I make my money somewhere else. Right. But like, so I'm very upfront from the beginning to set that, but also I tell them like, this is how I communicate. So to, to touch back on what Scott is like, you all should need to reach out to mentors that you can resonate with. Right. If you want someone who's going to coddle you, probably not me. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Let me, let me, let me add to what, what Kevin just said, because, You know, I also heard him say he he reached out to people that he thought he would connect with and resonate with. But then he took the extra step and spoke to them before before just like automatically signing the dotted line, this is going to be my mentor. He talked to a few people and he was like, whoa, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's important that people go beyond whatever the persona is that's out there, right? Like find some people. That's why you reach out to so many, right? Reach out to all these people. I think these people could be good fits. Let me try to talk to as many as I can find. And when I find the right one, right, and then we connect, that, that's where I sign up. You're
0: interviewing them.
2: The second part of this, though, before every mentorship call, every, like when, like, so when Scott, Scott and I had a mentorship call two weeks ago, right? A couple About weeks two, ago, yeah. A couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, right? Yeah. I even put this in the text messages as like, I'm not done learning from you yet. Right. So the, the mindset that I go into when I'm having my calls with my mentors, literally like what I tell myself before the calls, this person knows more than I do. And it's the truth. They know more than I do. Scott is a very close mentor of mine, and he has gone through more than I have. He has experienced things that I haven't experienced yet. He's messed up things that I haven't messed up yet. He actually said that on the last call. He's like, man, like, I wish someone had gotten this shit wrong And then told me about it. That's right. Yeah. So it's the mind. I go into a mentorship called knowing. This person knows more than I do. And what's interesting, like I have, I just have like four core mentors, like people I'm very close with. They all give me something different, right? They come from different backgrounds. There's things that they know more
0: of. What what are those things? Like, and you don't necessarily have to name names, but Scott gives you what, another person gives you this,
2: so what I love with um, working with Scott is the scaling process, right? Like he knows how to take something from zero and get it up to 150, managing up, right? Cause he's dealt with all sorts of different types of founders, but he also never sold his soul doing it. He takes care of people. He cares about people, right? And so I can ask him like, man, like I'm ready just to chop everybody's fucking head off and walk me back.
0: Well that. he's done that, by the way. I can tell you.
1: I, that's, I know one, that's, one of the, that's one of the mistakes. I didn't have nobody telling me, hey, you got to do it differently, right? 15 years oh, ago. That's either. So. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> that Scott gives me. Like, our conversations are very tactical. I'm like, yo, I'm kind of struggling with this or I'm running into this. And, you know, he'll ask, like, kind of what I'm doing. I'll give some examples. But then he's also very quick to be like, no, no, no. See, here's what that's going to lead to. And he can A, B, C, D set me up for it. I have another mentor that's way more, I would say, on, like, one of of my mentors is also an African-American male, and we do talk about those things. Talk about, like, how do you deal with this? How, what happened when you did this? Is this okay or not, right? Like, I feel like I may not be getting paid what I'm worth. How have you dealt with that, right? And so we talk about those sorts of things, right? I have another mentor that's really just, like, we, it's high-level shit, like, just The my bonkers fucking ideas, right? Of like, whoa, and he like, yeah, that probably won't work or that's a good idea and it's more of that type of stuff. So it's a good mix where, you know, and sometimes too, like I have mentors that I think like Scott and I were just riffing before this started, like talking about LinkedIn, right? I think I actually can provide a little bit of value to Scott around LinkedIn, right? Like I've, I've learned a little bit there. And so I'm sharing that. So it becomes a really good relationship. So rounding out because having one point of failure also isn't good, right? Of like you have one mentor. Okay. Like, great. Do they know your world? Right. It's, I, I cannot express how lucky I am to have Scott in my life. And this isn't supposed to be cheesy, but I'll say it like who else, like has scaled teams as often as he has, as well as he had in SMB type markets, bootstrapped and then going through the raises three times ahead of me, right? Like he, he's done it, he's in it and he can share it. Like, no, there's no one even close for me to learn from around this stuff, right? And so I'm very lucky, right? If I had a mentor, but I have no mentors, by the way, that sold enterprise, I don't slow that. That's,
1: that's, self-awareness, you know, and and that's, and that's, that's important for people to, to understand. Right. You know, you you know, you know the market and the field you're playing in and so you surround yourself with people mm -hmm. who can help you go very deep in that particular,
2: you know, niche. To to touch on that real quick. So one of my other close mentors is Dave Brock, right? The um, author, sales manager, survival guy, partners in excellence, right? He does a lot of consulting, but I'm not talking to him about sales tactics, right? I'm not talking to him about like scripting, how, you know, Scott, you and I have riffed on that, right? I'm talking to him more on, okay, like managing managers, right, what board look for, how to manage up better, what are things that he looks for in a future leader, right, like some of those things, like he has way more experience than I did and he's worked in because he takes over a lot of companies, he's seen all the inner workings, and he comes from not the SaaS space, like, he works in the SaaS space, but he comes from outside of the SaaS space, which is valuable, right? And so, to be able to have that mix is really important.
1: Let's change change gears for a second here. And, uh, you know, you you are one of the few guests so far that we've had on the podcast who've actually been to the Surf and Sales event. Um, contrary to a lot of belief that's out there, you do not have to be a surfer in order to go to the event. Kevin's not a surfer. Kevin uh, came out there and gave it gave it a good crack a few times. Why, in your own words, right? In your own words, like, what what was the value that you got out of the event, right? And why do you why do you, why would why do you think other people should should consider it?
2: It's actually it's funny because you know we talked about the event before we'd even gone, right? Actually, I think we all hopped on a webinar and we yeah. talked about along
1: with uh, Scott Barker too, okay. yeah.
2: And we talked about it of what we were looking forward to. And what I said then was the, the connection, right? Like the closeness, the community. Because we all know each other, but we aren't connected, right? Like we don't actually know each other. And I was so excited to be around people that thought that way. And it actually delivered on that, right? Like you can go to all – like I go to conferences. They're, they're great, right? Whatever. But like this is one where we still – we are slacking and texting each other today, right? One of yeah. the alumni just got promoted to AE. And what are yeah. we all? Right, Phil, my boy, you're out there. Yes, yeah, Phil. Saying. Shout out to Phil at air call. So like we're 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 congratulating each other around that. So that community was one. But also, especially if you're a sales leader, I'll say this first for sales leader the ideas that you come up with when you're not in the same place right like when you're not in the same place with the same people in the same setup listening to the same speeches like you're not going to come up with great ideas when i'm sitting there listening to you talk or richard like you talking on scripting and like how you scale things out richard talking on mental health barker talking on brand building right like the ideas that come from that, because I'm sitting in Costa Rica, right, no shoes on, like just able to think, having time to think, because that's what I don't enjoy about a lot of the other conferences is like, okay, session, 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 lunch, session, 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 happy hour, happy hour, party, sleep, do it again. There's not even time to process it. So some of that downtime to process what was being discussed there was amazing. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's the one of the best experiences around, I'd say, like sales conferences I've ever had. Even though I got hit in the face with a board, right, and then like retired <laughs> from. I was. It was
1: it was a very small knock to the okay. head. Okay, and let's not let's not scare the audience too much. All right.
0: <laughs> well, well,
2: well worth.
1: Uh, you know, I know, I know you got a hard stop coming up. Um, so, what? Uh, how can we be helpful to you? Man, you know, I, I know we have an open dialogue all the time and everything, but, you know, it, it's a part of our a part of our show here to try to offer up advice or, you know, any kind of help um, that our guests might need. So, You know, what can Richard and I do to continue to support and, and, and help you? Um, and what, if any, you know, specific questions or, or, or things that you're facing right now, uh, what, kind of, what, what can we talk about and try to give you some advice on?
2: I mean the number one way you guys can help is doing what you're doing because you're sales leaders and sales practitioners that are that still care about people and like that that I don't think that gets talked about enough it's always a number it's always what's next it's always crush hard this and never stop working that and everything and you guys are spreading a message that is different than what's out there right and I think that's that's what's missing it's why this even the sales industry has the Persona that it does because like no one cared about the people, which caused the people to not care about the customers, which caused the customers to not care for salespeople and here we are yeah. right so continuing I, that message is so so important
1: I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and they, 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 they literally were asking me like, where does my satisfaction come with my efforts you know and work that I do on on LinkedIn? You know, is it the is it the vanity metrics? Is it the um, you know business that I might get from it? Is, is it the likes and all this stuff? And I said, you know, the dopamine hit for me is is w- when I'm blessed by somebody sharing you know a direct message with me that says, "Hey Scott, um, I know you don't know who I am, but your advice and some of the things that you said." have really helped me and it means a lot and don't let the you know bastards get you down keep on trucking right and and man that is that's the dopamine hit right there that that's that's the hit where it's like okay i I can keep going now you know um because i i want to quit sometimes to be honest with you you know i get i get bored sometimes I, i i don't like the uh the sense that I have to produce forty pieces of content a day in order to, you know, feel like I'm making a difference. I'm just not that way. Like I, I, I don't write something unless the spirit moves me, unless I'm, unless I'm motivated to do so, you know.
2: Um. Quick, but when people read- super fast. Anyone that's listening right now, that's like, oh, I'm gonna build my brand this year. Please rewind and listen to what Scott just said, though, because if you're just gonna go out and post the same generic shit that everyone else is posting out there, just because you're trying to like build your brand one it's not going to work and two it just makes everything worse like speak from the heart speak for what you care about but don't like we don't need ten thousand people giving cold call tips for fuck's sake like stop that's
0: right so sorry you not that. dead you don't need to do that anymore say what yeah you need to do the phone is not dead
2: oh yeah <laughs> one more post on phone is nah. phone's dead email's dead social's dead um what is it face-to-face is dead. Basically SDRs are dead. AEs are dead. Everything.
0: Yeah. That should be yeah. your post, by the way. I will.
2: All right.
1: Just to try to finish off my thought though, but you know, at the end of the day, man, this is about people, mm-hmm. you know, this is about the impact that you can make on, on live. And, you know, I know that might sound dramatic, maybe especially for people who don't know me, but I'm, you know, 50% Italian. I am dramatic a little bit, you know, but, uh, it's about the impact that you make on people's lives and people that you don't you don't even know very well, you know. Exactly. And and, yeah. and those messages those messages, you know, mean a lot. And that's ultimately why, you know, I, I remain remain active and uh, and and engaged, you know. And I, and I think everybody should kind of operate with that in mind. Leaders and sales leaders in particular, but everybody should operate with that in mind, you know am i helping somebody with whatever with, with whatever i'm putting out there or is this just pure selfish and vanity and whatnot right like what are what is somebody going to be able to do with whatever message i put out there i had this conversation with sahil and he he made a post about it and he was like you know how do we know that the advice is actually working that people are putting out there how do, how do we we gauge that and and you know it was like well i know I only know when, when people write me back and say, you know, you fucking helped me. Right. So, and and I'm, I don't track that. Right. I just, I just get it and receive it and feel it and and try to, you know, put it all back out there and stuff. So
2: anyway, I think to to wrap on that it's two things. There is one, like if, you know, the advice that you give, like oftentimes with my posts, actually today is a perfect example. I posted today what I did yesterday. Like, not, hey, you should go do this or here's an idea. It's like, this is exactly what I did with my team yesterday. So it's like being able to speak to actually doing it is one of the big ways to show people, like, yo, this shit works, right? Like, here's literally what I took my team through. This isn't, like, high level, right? You could ask my team. There's a picture of it, actually. It's all right there, right? But then the flip side, to bring this full circle for me, you know, you asked me earlier, you know, if I feel, like, the pressure. Yeah, the burden. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know who i am and who i represent and the answer is yes but it's also what keeps pushing me because very similar to you i don't necessarily enjoy it i don't necessarily wake up being like all right here we go right i can't wait for like the comments and the bullshit and everything else that comes with it but i do know there's another young black male or female out there that sees that and goes i want to be that someday
1: yeah that's yeah. that's power. that's powerful stuff right there and that's a, that's a good way to good way to wrap it and, and if i mean kevin would be a phenomenal mentor and boss for anybody who's out there listening but in particular you know as he just said if you're a up-and-coming young african-american man or woman you know reach out to kevin you can find him on on linkedin it's probably the best best way kevin dorsey right appreciate you having on the show man you know yeah. you know you know I got nothing but love for you, despite the fact that you got a Dodgers hat on still. Oh,
2: baby. LA, let's go.
1: Yeah. All right, buddy. All I'll right, talk man. to you later, man. Appreciate it. See you, KD.